All right, soccer freaks. This is ATL on Fire, the podcast. We're going to be talking all things Atlanta United Football Club. So sit back, buckle up, and enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome back. It is finally another episode of ATL on Fire. Where have you been? Where have you been? Where have we been? I was on vacation and oh. we've been slacking pretty much is the main excuse. So the dear podcast listeners, we're out there waiting for you and you're just sitting on a beach. Yep. And uh, yeah. You after- apologize for that? Um, <laughs> a little bit, but you know, the, the first day I got to the beach, uh, I got to tune in to uh, a nice win that we had. So we're going to talk about it all here, Dave. Okay. Um, How many games are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about eight soccer games. Can't be done. (laughs) Maybe not. We're going to kick it off with the uh, U.S. men's national team and the the three-game leg in the second period of World Cup qualifying, which certainly had plenty of drama to talk about. And we've got actually five Atlanta United games to recap. Um quite a bit i think we've got three wins and two losses in the last five if i'm correct um yes and you know we've got the home stretch here uh, that we want to talk about as well as we hopefully can getting down to crunch time playoff line people playoff line hopefully we've got (laughs) a healthy joseph martinez we can speculate on his injury a little bit but also 100 goals from him lots of good stuff to talk about wow um so, Dave, let's jump right into the U.S. men's qualification. Well, first, don't you oh, want to talk about the wine? I always get ahead of myself. <laughs> and, yeah, you've treated us to an awesome wine this evening. It's Friday night. Uh, people are going to be downloading this podcast, and they're going to be thinking about this wine tomorrow. Yeah, it's a, a Barolo um, from Covali, Italian. Big old dry red. What do you think? Damn, that is, uh, that's got a lot going on. <laughs> yes. That is bold and really, really good. Thank you, my friend. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a nice way to finally have a little bit of uh, wine in my stream after a long week. Right, here's to the weekend. So, now I can jump back to the U.S. men's <laughs> national okay. team. And our first game was against Jamaica. Correct. Which actually was uh, positive because our good friend Pepe, who... Uh, kind of saved the day in the in the last uh, first period leg. He was kind of a star and came right out of the gates and, and had a brace in the second half of uh, the game against Jamaica. So what do you recall from uh, from that win? Well, it starts out with a bang, right? I mean, Areola tugged back in the first 90 oh, seconds. That's right. <laughs> um, I thought that, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to get a lot of feedback on Twitter about this, but I thought the call was correct. Yes, he was the last man back, but Ariola made a meal out of it with a pretty slight pull. What did you think? 100% agree with you. Wow, okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to go the other no, way. No, yeah, I, uh, I, I do. You know, I mean, he clearly got tugged on the shoulder, went down. I also felt like it wasn't a clear and obvious goal scoring by himself type of thing. I felt mm-hmm. like... The guy who was in the center, who was relatively parallel, could have 
come over and at least made it difficult on him by the time he was shooting. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's not uncontested at that point in terms of uh, the other guy being able to put some pressure on him. Wow. Okay. Consensus. What about the second last man back decision where the Jamaican defender comes across, clearly gets the man, but also gets some of the ball. Um, I kind of thought, and I'm going to get crucified for this too, that it might have been the right call too because, um, yeah, he got a little bit of the man. He was sort of the last man back, but he got a lot of ball too first. Um, it was much closer to me. 100% agree. What? Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> okay, it's, Twitter, it's, we're, we're ready for it. I uh, yeah, I think, um, okay. you know, I actually, I thought, you know, a lot of the, the pundits who I listened to were saying, you know, that's not strong refereeing. You got to call it like you would mm-hmm. in the 60th minute, the same way you would in the first. I actually think um, not only did he not ruin the game by uh, you know, pulling a red out, that certainly there's enough people that could, you know, speculate one way or the other. That's to me a good reason not to throw a red card in in either of those situations. Let the players figure it out in the field. And I know um, that first one was tough because. Uh, you know, you you really feel like you got rooked in terms of being able to come out and get a goal in the you know the first minute. Yep. But at the same time, I like I said, I don't think that uh, that was the right call to pull out the red. Okay. Um. Well, so the the thing that strikes me as the moment of the match, um, if you ever want to see a phenomenal pass. I don't actually think it's on the highlights because I think they cut it off before this. But um, if you look at the ball by Tyler Adams out of the midfield to start the second goal, he gets the ball mm, somewhere around the middle of the field and he splits two lines with a ball out wide um, to just free up the entire game. There were multiple people in there. He saw a gap. I mean, it was absolutely genius um and so i mean the thing that strikes me and 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 we can talk a little bit about his partner uh mckinney who i think was also weston mckinney was also phenomenal but the partnership between tyler adams and weston mckinney is the best we have ever had period in the united states it is the first time that we have a chance to have creative players like Gio Reyna and pulisic and all of these other guys who we have to have a chance to do their creative stuff and know that we're not going to get just purely counterattacked on the way back and to me between the two of them um makes it the most talented u.s roster ever how's that right out of the bat uh, it's hard to disagree that it's the most talented roster we've we've ever had. I think that's that's why at this point in the World Cup qualification, even though we're in good a good place right now, I think people are still a little disappointed at uh, you know the the number of wins that uh, you know we don't have or the losses that we conceded both to uh, you know. Panama, which we'll talk about here in a second, and then in the previous leg, who did uh, Honduras? No, we beat Honduras. Uh, yeah, we came back. On it was that El game. Salvador? Oh, Salvador, yeah, it was we, horrible. We didn't get the win, so I feel like with the amount of talent that we have, like those are games that I am just disappointed that, and those aren't good teams. And 
you know, I realize that there is a level of experience, particularly when you're on the road in El Salvador and or Panama that make it an X factor. And I've never been in that situation. Mm-hmm. It must be real. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's the only thing I can say. I mean, players, it's real. All it's right. real. But it's, <laughs> but when you're that much better, you know, I feel like you've got to find a way. And I guess that's where it's exciting four years from now that these guys have had that experience. And hopefully four years from now when we go through qualifying, that's the level of just pounding that I, I want to see when we go down to you know these countries and, and have such talented players. Let me list something for you, okay? Tyler Adams, Leipzig, Champions League team in Germany. Weston McKinney, Juventus, Champions League team in Italy. Sergino Dest, Champions League team Barcelona in Spain. Zach Steffen, Man City, Champions League team in England. Brendan Aronson, Salzburg, Champions League team in Austria. Pulisic, Chelsea, Champions League team in England. Gio Reyna, Champions League team in Dortmund. Um, Even... You have Musa at Valencia, not a Champions League team, but a La Liga. De La Fuente at Marseille. Sargent at Norwich. Yedlin at Galactasaray. Hoppy at Mallorca, right? John Brooks at Wolfsburg. And even Anthony uh, Robinson at Championside Fulham. I mean, can. And you know who the oldest player is in that group? Oh, boy, who is it? Um, I believe, um, well, I mean, I'm not really included. I actually included Yedlin and Brooks, but amongst the most of them, the oldest player is Weston McKinney at 23. Yeah. And that's, I mean, (laughs) that's what Greg Berhalter is, uh, Adams is 22. Dust is like 21. Aronson is 20. Pulisic is 21. Reyna is 19. Musa is 19. De La Fuente is 18. I mean, uh. yeah, it is a young, young squad. And I heard a rumor the other day that Wolfsburg or Wolfsburg might be interested in Pepe. Yeah. There's potentially a signing there. So yeah, we so, should see. Yeah. Uh, are you kidding me? Um, the other thing I will say from the last comment on the Jamaica game is um, Miles Robinson and Walker Zimmerman, you know, the all MLS pairing, right. phenomenal. Yeah. Um, you know, it's really interesting that all of the super young talent, the Gio Reynas, Polisics, et cetera, are in Europe and the really sophisticated defending, little, slightly bit older, still in MLS. Yeah. Right. I just am curious how some of these players players are going to hold up when it's against really good teams. I mean, we look great, even you know, dominating Costa Rica once we went down. Sure, but uh, in in these games where we do look good, it's I mean, some of these teams just are not that good that we're playing. Well, let's just talk about then game two and we look terrible. USA versus Panama. Right. Well, <laughs> we we also game one down. By the way, that's one game. How how many minutes are we in? To the podcast? How many minutes are we into the podcast? That's a good question. I got to put my reader. <laughs> let's see how we can make it. We're like 10 minutes in. Seven games to go. Let's yeah, go. So let's go. Uh, yeah. I mean, Jamaica wanted to make you, you pull your hair out that game because, you know, you wonder why there's so many changes. Oh, Panama, you mean? Uh, Panama. Panama. Sorry. Yeah. yeah sorry. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Panama. 
you wonder why Berhalter <laughs> made so many changes because uh, you know you you want some cohesion from one game to the next. And I realized we had Pulisic and Reyna out. You want to rest some leg, legs. And winning your home games in World Cup qualifying is everything. So making sure you're coming back with the right squad for Costa Rica, I get that. But seven changes seemed very, very extreme. Yeah. Um, and even like even our good friend George Bello, which maybe we didn't have too many options, I'm just surprised to see that much pressure being put on a player that doesn't have that much you know, national team experience in a game like Panama that really did matter in my opinion uh, because it put so much more pressure on us when we came back to Costa Rica at home after we had had lost it. And and it also messes with the player's confidence like that. George Bella must know he did not have a good game. I mean, and along with most every every other player on the squad. But uh, in fairness, his hands from the Bellow situation was a little bit forced because Anthony um, Robinson, because he was at Fulham, England has a block on um, Panama as a country, so he couldn't travel. Zach Steffen couldn't travel either. The two English players, Pulisic, wouldn't have been able to travel. Is that because they're being nice to the club teams by not? Yeah, because then they would have to undergo two weeks of quarantine and they would miss several matches, um, which makes the clubs very angry and then they don't want to release them the next time and you get this whole argument. But, you know, here's my thing, right? Honduras, not in the previous round of three, right? Um, (laughs) Tyler Adams starts it right back, right? (laughs) You know, I don't say this pretty often, but WTF, right? Like, the guy is absolutely brilliant. The heart and soul of our midfield. He starts him at right back. That is a catastrophe. At halftime, he realizes the mistake. He moves him back into center midfield. And for those of you who don't recall, we just ran over him in the second half after the first half was one of the worst ever, right? right? And, and we came back to win, right? So Tyler Adams plays brilliantly in Jamaica, against Jamaica at home, right? We go to Panama... Right, we have some limitations about who, whatever. What happens to Tyler Adams? He gets moved out of a position he's good at and put into a different one. Yeah, a position that he can't help us in called the bench. Yeah, he wasn't in the starting lineup, he didn't play. Right, how does Tyler Adams not start that game now? Burhalter said something later about oh, he had a little bit of injuries, he's coming back from injuries. I don't care. He is the heart and soul of our team. He's fit. He's healthy. Yeah. If he's on the bench, he's 22 it means, years that old. Means he can play. So you put him in. And he could play. Yeah. He didn't get any injury. He was brilliant in Jamaica. You know, you're going on the road in CONCACAF, and the heart and soul of your team is on the bench. Are you kidding me, Burhalter? <laughs> so you're saying if the rotations at minimum should have been six and yes there you go i mean even if you're going to tinker a fair amount and try to keep people fresh you tinker around the heart and soul of the team you would also argue um miles robinson heart and soul of the defense has been the best defender Complete, for the u.s completely where was he he was on the bench, bench. And, and you know right i agree like, <laughs> like especially you know atlanta united's next game is tomorrow and that between all these games, these guys are young. They can put the, they can handle that. Well, but even if they're not and you have to rest them, you're like, look, you're going on the road in CONCACAF. You got to try to win all the games. You might say, look, we come home. We could maybe make a change like that. But mostly what you do 
is you stay with your center back yeah. and your center midfield and you tinker around that. And Even it, like the most notorious tinkers, you know, the, like the Benitezes of the world, they don't tinker with their center back and their defensive center midfield. Right. And you know who would have headed it the right direction when that corner <laughs> kick came in? is Miles Robinson, where Zardes is like, ah, no, I'll go ahead and just flick that on into the back post because that's what I'm used to doing on the other side of the field. <laughs> I but, think he was trying to score, didn't it look like It sure as hell did, but can we move on from the Panama game? It was, it's going to just uh, frustrate Yeah, we, two yeah. subs at half, three more subs in the 64th minute, okay? And that's the last thing I want to talk about in this game, okay? No matter how bad it goes, and it was going badly... Right, you cannot, in any professional sense, you cannot make your fifth sub in the sixty-fourth minute. Yeah, right. Could you imagine if somebody, injury. which almost happened, gets a major injury, and you have to play the last thirty minutes, twenty-five minutes with a man down? He'd have gotten crucified. Have you ever seen a? coach used their last sub in the 64th minute mikey dobbs well even when there was three back in the day which was before the pandemic there was only three subs mm -hmm. that would have been a mistake but when you have five subs to right. do that that's even more silly. even worse because you, you worse. can change a lot with four subs and then you have to keep the fifth sub for the last right i mean what <laughs> gonna go with it again wtf mikey dobbs burhalter but um Dave, I, I we switched places. I came over to your house the other night to watch the third of the second series of qualifiers against Costa Rica, Pura Vida, <laughs> but they were here in the United States at the Columbus Cruise Stadium, right? Yes, it was at Columbus, correct. The brand new stadium, which and, looks nice. And, uh, you know, you turn on the TV and it's beautiful outside, nice uh, kind of crisp evening 30 seconds in, I kind of start paying attention. <laughs> Fall bounces around. It gets crossed. All of a sudden, side net. What just happened? <laughs> a minute and 30 seconds in, we're down one nothing. Yep. That is not how you want to I'm going to go with yes on that, Mikey Dabbs. What, I mean, what goes wrong in the preparation? I mean, it was a little fluky all around. But there, there has to be a, a readiness there for... Well, the U.S. has come out flat, to be honest, in at least five of the six games. Um, and, you know, that's no way to live. You know, I speak from experience. My Man United team keeps doing the same thing under Ole Gunnar. Um, start out slow, has all the firepower in the world to come back, but it, it's not a way to live. Right. So it was... Tense moments right out of the gates, even though... <laughs> it was a good goal, though. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was a little unlucky, certainly. The way that I went back and looked at the replay, the way it kind of pinged around, and the guy on the left side had it kind of come to him, yeah. and he put a nice kind of lobbing cross. That Beautiful cross, The yeah. goalkeeper really didn't have a right to go after. Correct. Um, and, you know, I would say the person that hit it kind of got a little lucky because... <laughs> yeah. It, there was didn't a, there exactly was another hammer it. there was another Costa Rican player in front of Zach Steffen that right. kind of shielded and rightfully confused him. Yep. Because had he made a play touching the ball, he could have kicked it near post. Right. But he just kind of olayed it, and it ended up going to the far post. It's you know you could say Zach Steffen could have done better, but 
after watching it, I can understand why he was a little bit uh, flat-footed because of where the other Costa Rican player was when it came across. I'm going to disagree with you, Mikey Dobbs. Okay. I think that the goalkeeping was shambolic. Um, Zach on, Steffen. On that one play, though. On right? that one play. Okay. Um, because Zach Steffen is an international goalkeeper. That ball is not hit hard at all. He totally mishit it. He sort of shanked it back. It was yeah. bounced down off the ground, and it was going pretty slowly. But the first person it came to was another Costa Rican player. Yes, the Costa Rican player was there, and Zach Steffen stayed as if the guy was going to knock it. But as a goalkeeper, you've got to stop the ball going straight in, Right. You have to stay at home long enough to be able to stop the ball that's going straight in. That's like goalkeeping one-on-one, right? And then if somebody gets it, you know, onto it right in front of you, that's not your fault, right? Like, you you know, you know, somebody's got to defend that. You can't defend that. Like, there's yeah. no way to, right? So, to me, that looked like... Um, Zach Steffen looked like a guy who's been sitting on the bench for Man City for a long time, and... You know, I think Zach Steffen in full flight, like playing every day, realizes that that guy's not going to touch it, and he just steps over and catches it, really. Yeah, fair point. And, uh, yeah, plenty of other moments in that game where you could see Zach Steffen is not getting minutes just in the way that right. uh, he's reading the game. Yeah, it's sad because Zach Steffen looks to me yeah. um, like maybe one of the best U.S. goalkeepers ever. Yeah. Um, he's phenomenally talented, and what an absolutely atrocious decision to go to Man City, right? I mean, you're playing behind Ederson, who's arguably the best goalkeeper in the world. And uh, Matt Turner looks phenomenal, in my opinion. Yes. As a goalkeeper, yes. is is one weakness, and I'm rarely <laughs> in agreement necessarily with the national media, but I happen to agree with them that um, his play out of the back with the ball at his feet lacks, and he gets yeah. us into trouble sometimes. So that's the knock on him that he can't play right. with the ball at his feet. And you know, I th- I think he's pretty. But young. goalkeeping has been terrific. Yeah, yeah goalkeeping's terrific. And you know, guys who aren't good at that per se, as long as they learn how to adopt over time, not to make the crucial mistake, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, get it. Even like Brad Guzan, I don't know, would you say Brad Guzan is good with his feet? Well, Brad Guzan has two good feet. He can play a ball with his left and right foot, yeah. um, which is pretty unique for a goalkeeper. And although, you know, I know <laughs> I'll preempt your argument, I said he tends to launch the ball wide and sometimes out of bounds. Um, first of all, I would argue that he does that on purpose, which is if you're going to make a mistake, put it out of bounds, you don't right. get countered right in. And I think that's okay. Yeah. Um, but the other thing about him is he will play a ball 40, 50 yards up with either his left or right foot. And that's a huge advantage. Yeah. Well, and Zach Steffen is the same way. can play ball with either foot. Turner is not. Yeah. So back to the Costa Rica game. We get scored on a minute 30, and then the U.S. is on the front foot for... Yeah, understatement. (laughs) Yeah, understatement for certainly, like, just talk about the first half, the entire first half. Like, Costa Rica wasn't even in the game. Uh, You know, you just felt it coming. Uh, Did we score in the first half? I can't remember. Yes, Serginio Dest, left foot rocket. Couldn't remember if that was just Are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. (laughs) He just put his foot right through it. I mean, his quickness and his ability in space, he beats the defender 
at least nine times out of ten. Because yeah. that was close to like the 45th minute, right? Yeah, the, it was close to half. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, right, it was great build up. Um, it came from the other side of the field. Like someone mm-hmm. kind of crossed it and it went a little too long. And then I, I can't remember who played it right into Serginio Dest. And it might have been Musa. But yeah. Musa. And then Weston McKenney pulls a guy kind of across and in front of him, which opens up a little slot. He takes a look up and says, there's the upper 90 and hit the upper 90. He just put his foot right through it. And, you know, what's remarkable about that, folks, that's Serginio Dest, the right back, who everybody says is maybe a little too much right footed. That's his left foot, people. He's not. He plays sometimes on the left uh, back for Barcelona. I mean, talk about a guy who's truly two-footed, right? right? He can cross with both feet. He can shoot with both feet. That's his weak foot, people. And I was reading an article that I forget what minute he came off, but he's evidently kind of a unique dude <laughs> that when he came off, he was like high-fiving the fans in the stand. He went off on the far side, and, and, which you haven't seen since Little League. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and he, he kind of did his, because he had the goal and an assist, right? Uh-huh. He had a goal and assist, and, and uh, you know, I kind of like that. Yeah, he got subbed off. He went off the far side, and then he spent the entire – he walked around the entire stadium high-fiving people in yeah. the front row. <laughs> now, the knock on him is, is defending, eh, which has been a little bit questionable at times, but the other knock on him is that maybe he's a little injury-prone. Mm. So we'll see. That that, that yeah. worries me. Yeah, but as long as he's playing, he's good. Yeah, his ankle Class. did – In the slow motion, it looked like his ankle did get uh, hit pretty good there, so mm-hmm. I, I get it. Um. And then we come out in the second half, don't quite look as good. Costa Rica still looking like their average age is 35. <laughs> <laughs> so they look like us out at Silverbacks. They, they sure as hell did. Like, I mean, no offense to yeah. us, but you know. Miles, you know, Miles Robinson passes it to their Ford, who then uh, is so slow he can't do anything with it. And Miles is like, all right, I'll just run back and stop you. <laughs> <laughs> that was Brian but, Ruiz, wasn't it? Yeah, who's been was, around? Yeah. yeah, he was an MLS star ten years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and so, had it gone to any other player on the Costa Rican team, maybe, or on any other team, he right? just looked like, please, somebody catch me uh, from behind and take me out of my pain as quickly as possible. <laughs> yeah. So he can still finish. I understand why they still yeah. have him in the game, but he can. Thirty-five yards from goal, he's never yeah. going to get there. And we honestly got really so. There's one lucky example, right? where they could have scored easily. Then we also fouled a guy in the box. It should have been a penalty kick, and that didn't get called. Mm-hmm. Um, the penalty kick that we should have conceded, according to my notes. Yeah. Are we agreeing again on the penalty kick? We're agreeing again. Like they, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, the the defender jumps and and gets his legs in between the ball and the striker, and as the striker, who is right about to kick the ball, almost simultaneously, you could say that the striker kicked the back of the ankle of the guy lunging, and or you could say that the guy lunging hit his foot, right, which is a clear penalty. Now, was it Richards, the new kid, the really young kid who started his first ever international game? Or was it Robinson coming in from the side? I can't remember. It must have been Richards. I think it was it, Richards. It yeah. wasn't, I know it wasn't Robinson. It was one and of those two, yeah. So you could argue this one. Um, 
that the player who's defending has the right to put his body between the ball and the striker. And if the striker happens to kick the defender's ankle, then that's the striker's fault. <laughs> um, so that's where this controversy is on a split second of if you really wanted to get nasty with VAR, like you would have to slow it down to, you know, 60 frames per second, zoom in and say, okay, was the defender's foot clearly in front of the offensive's foot off of the attacker's foot mm-hmm. and the attacker's foot happened to hit the back? Yeah. Cause that's legal, right? You're allowed to put your body within playing distance. He sort of blocked him first. Play, yeah. And then the second time of, the of offering cleared it out. Yeah. So, you know, the guy shock on ESPN FC is where I got my theory on this. And he actually got me thinking about that. Mm-hmm. It's particularly as a, you know, as somebody who likes to score goals, I'd be pissed if I ended up hitting the back of an ankle of a player who put his foot. But if you got his ankle there first and it's in playing distance, the ball, then maybe it's not a penalty kick. Yeah. I thought it was a penalty kick. I thought so too, but, (laughs) but, but I'm asking by definition, what, what is the rule there? Do you see where I'm going with this? Like, I think it should have been a penalty kick as well. It's a good subject to interpretation, but yeah. So now one of the things you should comment on, right? So, CONCACAF does not have VAR. And the reason for that is because a lot of the stadiums, a la Jamaica, probably Honduras, El Salvador maybe, don't have the capabilities of having it. So the CONCACAF decided that if you can't have it in those places because of the technical limitations, that it's not fair to have it anywhere at all. How do you feel about that? I think it's the biggest crock of shit I've ever heard. We're talking about companies that have to survive during the pandemic, that have to learn Zoom and how to do virtual meetings and figure out technology that can allow people to talk face to face. You mean to tell me at a, in a budget where World Cup qualification means billions of dollars that hmm. you can't figure out how to put in a lightweight system to where people can even do this remotely. Are you kidding me? No way I buy it. If you get a team from Georgia Tech to give me a budgeted solution as a weekend project, you got VAR in every Central American country, period, the end. That's not where I thought you were going. Was that my rants? I think it was my rants. Yeah, I like it. I actually agree with that. I thought you were going to say that they should still have it. So what? So so I completely agree with you, Mikey Dobbs. That that this is getting kind of weird. That they, I know that they should have had VAR. <laughs> uh, but here's where I disagree with you, or maybe I don't disagree. So the question is: All right, so let's put aside for a second the shambolicness of uh, not being able to put in VAR (laughs) at those stadiums. If they can't, do you think they should allow it in like the U.S. and Mexico? Should CONCACAF allow those games to have VAR when the other ones don't? It's a great question. Um, You know, and that's the thing. Like the the way that... It's a yes or no question, Mike Adams. Okay. (laughs) If it's yes or no, I'm going to go with yes. Okay. The reason I say that is we, we're now moving to that being the standard for professional soccer. So if it's available and that's how referees are trained to officiate the game, then you shouldn't mess it up for how the, officiate, the, the officials are currently being 
train to gauge the game fairly because yeah. that's all their job is is to to officiate it as fairly as possible if you go back to an archaic way which is now in in the rear view mirror i don't necessarily think that's even fair for the referees okay i'm gonna disagree with you all right, good. <laughs> so uh i think out of fairness CONCACAF got it right that if you can't have it in all the stadiums, it's really weird to have a different set of rules. And, you know, because what can happen and what would happen is you have a call that's overturned by VAR correctly, maybe in right. one game that, that should have been overturned, you know, to help El Salvador that ends up being the difference between them qualifying or not. And they feel really hard done by because, you know, it was allowed here and not there. So yeah. I think fairness um, they got that call right, even though I actually, to be honest with you, <laughs> hadn't really thought that, duh, why do they even, how is it that they can't have VAR? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the whole crux okay. of it to me. So, so in the end, I agree with you. All right. Well, <laughs> uh, round and round we go. Anything to talk about that? What are your expectations for this next, uh, qualification series, which is kind of the third leg of, a. uh, a four period series of the qualifiers, right? Yeah. We only have two games in the next one. We start out with Mexico, um, in Cincinnati. Yeah. So, you know, Alan Colehep, if you're going to be there, um, let us know, um, (laughs) you can call into the podcast. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I guess one question that we have, you know, that we haven't talked about is Pepe or no Pepe, right? So yeah. do you think he's the real deal or not? So he scores. He's scored three goals so far. He scored two in the in the win against Jamaica. Um, yeah, if I'm in Vegas, I'm betting on Pepe. He seems to have uh, – he's got a nose for goal. He had a very poor game in Costa Rica. Yeah. You, you and I spoke about it. He did not put himself in the right – Positions, but I think that happens sometimes to strikers, particularly after you know he had a a nice little hot streak there. I, I see things from him though that even in that game where he didn't get alignment with yeah. crosses that were coming in, that uh, you know even like someone like Josh Sargent's been disappointing me on. Like I'd rather see Pepe in there than uh, anyone else at this point. That's my answer. You? Um, I'm not convinced yet. Um... I thought he was really good when he scored the couple goals. Um, the finishing, I thought, might have been really much better. Um, but it concerned me in the Costa Rica game where we were so on the front foot, we're getting really, really good services into the box, and um, he didn't come close to any of those balls. That's where I just say it's any given Sunday. Okay. Yeah. And he's young. And he's young. But so. the question is... You know, so there's two there's two answers to this question. One is Pepe great long term, and then two is he great in this qualifying cycle at this age? I think he's great long term. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly do. I mean, everything is speculation at this point. Sure. He's so young, but I, I just have a gut feeling with what I'm seeing. There's just a something. There's something a little bit different about his play that I can't put my finger on that I like. Okay. Um, and the other guy I like like that is uh, Hoppy. Yep. Um, I believe in Hoppy too, kind of in a similar young, youthful way where Hoppy puts people on their heels. Mm-hmm. He um, dribbles at folks. He yeah. dribbles at folks. He, he, you know, he makes people make a decision, and we need more of that in our squad. I agree. So 
Let's go to Atlanta United, Dave, unless you got okay, anything Okay, so where are we at now? We're three games down. We got through the U.S. How many minutes into the podcast? Let's go, people. 35 minutes. 35. 35. Wow, that's a new record. We're moving on. So, Atlanta. Going to talk about it all. Atlanta United, we apologize, ATL and Fire fans. We are five games behind. After on the last podcast, I bragged about how on top of it we are. But <laughs> Cursed us. We uh, and then he headed out to the beach, folks. (laughs) Yeah, the first game though was uh, (laughs) shortly after our pod, our last podcast. We played Cincinnati, Cincinnati, and that was at home, correct? Correct. We had a four nothing win against Cincinnati. Yep. I'm trying to bring my brain back, but you've got notes. Go to it, Dave. Okay. Um. (laughs) So, um, you know, there's some concern, and I think. Um, the wrap-up, the thing that we need to talk about after maybe we get through these games is what is our long-term feeling on Pineda? So stick a, stick a pin in that one. Um, but um, So in the center of the midfield, um, you know, Rosetto in the 10th minute was absolutely on an island. Um, he's trying to cover... Um, a mess of Cincinnati players. The solution that they have is from the back five from an Atlanta United is one of the center backs is supposed to come out and help him defend in the, in the midfield. Um, and to be honest, no way that works. It just doesn't work, right? A, it's too late. B, it's too confusing. There's too many choices. And what ends up happening a lot of times is it's, the wrong guy it's late it doesn't work and then you're really up the you know creek without a paddle um obviously attacking wise um you know fifth minute i think it was araujo just absolutely turns and runs by the cincinnati players like they're cones there were um, what a goal! There were literally I think four players around him just across the halfway mark. Yep, and all of them kind of converged. None of them committed, and he did the strangest little turn, and <laughs> yes, then just pushed the ball. I don't know, a good 10, 15 yards in front of him, and just showed a different level of speed that uh, had had the Cincinnati players, frankly, just ball watching. I mean which left those four players who should have been involved in the defense just watching. And he was able to get around the corner and, and rip it. Yeah. Unbelievable. So the thing that I keep, that I'll keep coming back to is, as my, one of my thoughts. So Lennon and Mulraney um, were so far up the field being offside multiple times as the outside backs. This is in the Cincy game in the Cincy game. Right. And, what are um what are you supposed to do um you know that far up the field that early being offside right they're not defending in this system in the back five they're really not defending very much they're not getting back and defending which is okay because we got three terrific center backs and you have sosa sitting in a lot but if you're not defending you got to be adding something offensively and what are we getting out of lennon and mulraney offensively 
I mean, the only thing I can think of is because they're out there and far up the field, maybe you can argue they're keeping defenders honest and opening up the game for the Fab Four, um, Araujo, Bello, Martinez, and uh, Moreno. Um, so you're saying they're a decoy to spread the field wide. <laughs> I'm not so saying they are, so, but that's so what that, they're only so good we for. Can, so that we can play more direct to Barco, Moreno, maybe. and Araujo. Maybe. Maybe. Um, at halftime, if that's happening, I'm okay with that. By the way, if we're able to sneak really good balls re- direct up in the center of the field, I mean that's that's great because those guys can they do have the quality to turn it and and go. So at halftime, Jillian Sakovich interviewed Rob Valentino. Remember him? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he says that we're way too open in midfield, particularly defensively. Really? Yeah, really? Really, you think? (laughs) Like, um, yes. I'm going to go with yes on that. Um, But the free kick, they had a free kick um, where Joseph Martinez runs sort of offside really, really early and gets the defense all confused, which was clearly planned. There is no way that he uh, is that dumb. Um, it was absolutely brilliant, and they worked it well. It went to Franco, back over to Joseph Martinez for the goal off the free kick. Um, awesome. Yeah, so we again, again, we seem to be uh, well rehearsed on set plays. Yes. One thing you can argue about the Pineda era, and he says that he designates it to assistant coaches, so, you know, for what that's worth. But um, offensively on set pieces, we've looked excellent. All right, so do you want to go to the third goal? Um, the third was notes? the third goal was the Barco where he whipped in the free kick and they thought it was a cross and it just kind of went straight in like off the defender. Was it an own goal? Uh, I think that was a different game. Oh. Anyway, the final score really flattered Atlanta a little bit. 4-0. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, but yeah. Cincinnati was awful. Yeah, and they brought on Dan pretty late, and um, he looked like he was short of confidence. In the 92nd minute, he gets the ball, and he had a chance to shoot, and he cut it back instead. Um, But Alan Franco, three assists in the game. Mm. Is that right? That's an interesting stat for that one. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Julian Sakovich... Uh, interviewing Joseph Martinez after the game, which I thought was amazing. Um, she was asking the questions in very broken Spanish, and he was answering in English. All right, Dave. We are 40 minutes in, and we've made it through what? Let's go. Four games. <laughs> All right. What's next? DC United? DC United, 3-2. to two. And I was on vacation for this one. I had just arrived in... Folly Beach, South Carolina. Yep. Turn on the TV or a Chromecast the game. Thank goodness everything was working. I was able to watch the game, I think. Or no, is this this is a this was home. I was able to watch the game without a VPN or anything because I was in Charleston. It works smoothly. <laughs> no tricks. I was like, yeah, I don't yeah. have to trick the system. That was that was like the one stress-free moment for me. And then the first stress Was it on Bally Sports? No, I think oh, it was on like uh, I think it was available on ESPN or something. Oh, ESPN Plus because ESPN it's outside Plus. the yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Exactly. So it was on Valley Sports probably, but because you're outside the That's zone, right. ESPN I, Plus. I could use ESPN Plus okay. normally. And um, Well done, Mikey Dobbs. So this is a game that we dominated 
for the most part, but showed showed some lack of kind of seeing it out towards the end. And even though, if I recall, in that game, DC's two goals were pretty damn phenomenal. There were five phenomenal goals in this game. Yeah. It was Golasso yeah, after Golasso. Right, we didn't give up that much, but man, when we gave it up, what a I mean, like I remember like going back to the the replay of the DC goals. I'm like, well, what are you gonna what are you gonna do about that? I mean, geez, those those are some good goals. I mean, from Barca's it was Barca's free kick, the first one, Barcalito from way outside is probably I don't know, gonna say twenty. 25 yards out he plays it just rips it near post upper 90 barcolito yeah it was barcolazo and i'm so happy for him (laughs) because you know he's got that capability this is the guy that i keep backing with his capability to do that as an argentine youth that i think is going to be on the national team of argentina at some point he keeps doing that type of stuff that turns heads Yep, we could have scored probably five, six. Yeah. Um, we could have unfortunately given up <laughs> three, four. <laughs> it was very open. That Why do you think it's open, Mikey Dobbs? Because there's nobody in the center of the field, Dave. <laughs> okay. Nobody in oh, the we're center getting of the somewhere. field. All right. We're going to solve that problem by right. four in the back, or are we, Pineda? Do you want to remind people of math? Right. So nah. when you play with four phenomenal, the Fab Four up front, Martinez, Araujo, Barco, and Moreno, okay, and you play five in the back, and you play a goalkeeper, which is pretty standard, <laughs> how many does that leave in the midfield? Yeah. And you know they call that BAM, right? B- yeah, BAM. B- that's um, M-M. Yeah, that was the commentator's word yeah, for it, right? I love that. What's his name? BAM. BAM. So yeah. what else you got on the other goals? So I I do remember the the the, the uh, sorry the DC goals. There was just a couple there really it is, right amazing here. strikes. So you got the phone um, up. Uh, oh yeah. So it comes from outside. They played in. Oh, Dave, explain what you're seeing here. <laughs> Are you kidding me? It's out of the air from. He had to be 30 yards away. There's a ball um, flicked into the middle. I think it's deflected. I can't really tell whether he meant that or it's deflected. But anyway, he hits it on the half ball. He short hops it. It never moves like more than an inch. And it's from a good 30 yards. I mean, what a freaking goal. We were up 2-0. Game was kind of over. And then that was in the 70-something minute, late 70-minute, 80th minute. And now it's a game again because of that? Right. And you know, a lot of times I'd dis- be disappointed with letting the game slip away. But with goals like that, I just kind of had to tip, tip my hat. Yeah, sometimes you just step back as a fan and you just don't think about tactics and admiring at all. Um, and you just say whatever, but now here we go, Mikey Dobbs, right? We're, um, at two to one and we played up the line. Moreno one. Oh, that's right. Moreno cut t- back. Moreno, Moreno takes on like eight takes people. on the same guy twice. Second guy, oh. third guy, and bellows there, four right? guys, down to fifth guy, sixth guy. And he touches over to Bell yeah. for the goal. Bellow that the. the 
least difficult goal of all time because pretty much Moreno dribbled it right up to the Wait, Moreno did nothing. <laughs> yeah, Moreno did nothing. <laughs> so okay. if fans, if you haven't gone back and watched the highlights of yeah, that game, watch that that, one. I mean, all the goals are, are great. I think there's not much more to talk about. In that Anybody game, right? who's going to critique uh, Moreno and say he's not a player, watch that. Yeah. I mean, you know... It, to be honest, where he gains the ball in the field and where he takes it to, I don't know if you remember a famous goal from Diego Maradona yeah. in the World Cup. It was pretty similar. Now, Maradona finishes it by himself with right. the goalkeeper draped and the three guys chasing him. But Moreno had three guys chasing him. The only difference is, is he just squared it across for a yeah. tap-in from Bellum. I mean, but you got to admire Bello as the left back being there for a tap in at the two yard line. Dave, if you're going to compare an MLS goal to Maradona or the <laughs> or the or the similar Messi, I'm not one, necessarily saying a, that it, it is a nice C plus version of it. Okay, I C agree. plus one, gotcha. But, but no, I mean Moreno to just be able to stay focused through that period and and have the stamina, unbelievable. We apologize to the departed. Diego Maradona, rest in peace. So we're going to move on to <laughs> an ugly game, which I only watched the highlights because I think I was actually driving back from Charleston when this game was happening away against Philadelphia where we lost 1-0. Yeah, so now if we aren't going to talk about tactics in the D.C. United game, I think we have to talk about tactics against Philadelphia because Philadelphia and Curtin – um, they play this narrow trapping diamond. Everybody gets narrow in the field. They can see the outsides of the field, right? And if you're Pineda, knowing that, all they're going to do there is they're going to clog the middle of the field, right? Who's in the middle of the field? Araujo, Barco, Moreno, um, Martinez, right? Um, and let me just check for... Um, for consistency's sake, um, yeah, Martinez did not play in the game, right? Because he was hurt. That's why. So we were playing the false. So Barco Arujo, it's a false nine. Moreno, yes, correct. But still, those guys are all in the middle, um, and they're designed to play um in the middle. Um, and so the question is, what happens when that happens, right? Um. We get run over. It didn't look very good. Without the ability to spread them out, um, and there were players draped, they were double and triple team all over Araujo, Barco, and Moreno. They had three players on them all the time. It should have left the wingers absolutely free to get in behind. Um, but Lennon doesn't really have the ability to do that. Bello didn't make it happen. They both look absolutely lost. They're way up high looking to cross when there is nobody there to cross to. Um, and they didn't really take things on. Uh, you know, if you go back and watch that game in the 64th minute, there's a time where three consecutive times we play to Lennon. I think it was Araujo and somebody else playing it to him three consecutive times in the same sequence. All three times he has the guy isolated one on one. Doesn't take and him he on. never went at him. Yeah. And if you're playing against that diamond and those guys don't take him on out there with no help, then they can just double and triple team all yeah. day. And that's happy, what happened. Happy time. Mm -hmm. So when you do that, you don't score. Um, and when you don't score, you don't win. Right. <laughs> um, and then, 
you know, we're down one nothing, you know, and I was a little bit disappointed by the substitution, right? So he left on Lennon. So actually, I take this back. We were at 0-0. Zero, zero. He makes the sub. He le leaves on Lennon, right? Um, he could have brought on Dam, who I think would have absolutely annihilated that guy with one-on-one -on -one right. with nobody behind him, right? Instead, he breaks on Mulraney. Now, Bello, on the other hand, was actually going at people occasionally and opening that up. If anything, we look better on that side. So I have no idea why he makes that sub. <clears throat> but in the first 60 seconds on the field, Mulraney, in the back, in a 0-0 game, gets absolutely turned because instead of challenging for the ball with his left foot uh started with his right foot he challenges with his left across the thing gets himself completely turned around beaten like he's a you know a turnstile at you know the stadium and they just walk right in and score mm. so how's that for a substitution mikey Dobbs? not good no. yeah and i agree like there's there's times when you're not beating people on the outside, and if Lennon's not getting it done, you've got Jurgen Dom getting paid $1.5 million a year. I think he's one of our highest-paid players. Mm -hmm. Put him on. And certainly, even whatever concerns you have about him, you know, long-term and whether he's a box-to-box -box or complete player, the one thing he can do is really run at people. He's got pace. He's got craftiness. And... In against a team that has clogged up the middle, maybe you start him, or even if you don't start him, when you see Lennon not taking the guy on and you have three players draped all over Araujo, Bello Moreno, they're doing nothing, you got to bring on something to open it up. Right. It seemed uh, a missed opportunity, Mikey Dobbs. All right, Dave, we are at 50 minutes or so. Miami. Well, I was going to say, so... Um, you know, and we'll get to our, our take-home from Pineda after we finish all these games. But um, the one thing that you said, Mikey Dobbs, which I think rings very true, is that the coach has got to be someone who, you know, loves the organization. Yeah. Um, and prior to this game, Pineda actually invited the, the supporters groups to come to practice um he embraced them they had a celebration and then he and the players served dinner to the staff um so nice call mikey Dobbs. yeah and and as much as you and i are now starting to critique pineda for not having the confidence to maybe change things at least the way that you and i want to see is that foreshadowing foreshadowing <laughs> like, I, I, go ahead I, I think he's taking care of the important stuff first okay. um which is good uh, and hopefully this is just, again, a little bit of lack of confidence as a head coach to feel comfortable in trusting yourself and, and, you know, saying, I know I said that we're not going to change things drastically, but you know what? Changing to a four in the back when you need to, I think he's got to start getting his head around, you know, things like that when they make sense or making really difficult decisions on putting players in the right, right position to, to perform. At a minimum, if you insist on playing five in the back, um, there's a couple of things. Um, one, you can't play with the fab four or bam, 
as as they're being referred right. to. You gotta like you gotta sub them on strategically. You gotta play to three right, out of the right four, in. and then the fourth comes off the bench. Yeah. Um, because you cannot play with one player on an island in the midfield. It doesn't work at any level in any league. As good as Sosa is, he's not that good. And I've, I I still feel like this season he's held Ben on three in the back. Like I don't like I don't I don't see any signals that he's gonna change. So And oh, why? I don't know, but hopefully, maybe there's at least a chance of uh, the the rotation piece of the BAM up front where it's not the BAM, it's the BAM. <laughs> <laughs> how you like that? So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I laughed so hard, I spilled goes. a little bit yeah. of my wine. Sorry, folks. Now, <laughs> let's move on to the next game since we, we have so many games to cover, which was against Miami at home. Right. Dave, you and I were at the game together. In all its glory. In all its glory. And uh, what, what are your notes there? Um, well, actually, they flashed some stats at the stadium, which I think are interesting. So Atlanta United leads the league in duels, possession, mm. and successful dribbles. And Miles Robinson leads the MLS in duel rate. So it's, I think, so, something that I would share with the podcast uh, listeners. And I think that rings true for me. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you. Um, but, uh, um, again, you know, we play five in the back and in the first half, again, the solution was to have one of the center backs stepping into midfield to pick up somebody. Um, and on, on several occasions, it was just pure confusion. Right. Um, and so again, at halftime, he makes the sub he brings off Moreno and brings on Rosetto, so we're now playing with two in the midfield. Right. And, you know, obviously, but why does it take till halftime? And, what, you know, you're making substitutions that should be made on the training ground and in the formation for starting, right? You, you can't just sit there and say, well, maybe it'll work, and oh, no, no, it doesn't work. Oh, maybe it'll work. And no, 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 it doesn't work, right? Like at some point, you got to realize it doesn't work and make the change. Yeah, and even in the the, you know, the post interview of the game, I know that uh, Pineda was saying that yeah, Moreno is playing fine. I just wasn't putting him in the right position. Yes, you know, was he wasn't giving him the best chance to succeed? But that's for other reasons. So in the sixty sixth minute, so it's at halftime, he brings off Moreno and he brings on Rosetto. And in the 66th minute, he actually finally goes to four in the back. Um, shortly thereafter, we get the penalty kick, which turns out to be... 100. The fastest. The fastest in the MLS to 100 goals. Right. Martinez. It wasn't a hop, skip, and a jump, <laughs> per se, type of... Uh, penalty kick from joseph it was well, a, you do know his most famous hop skip and junk was when he missed oh i know in the semifinals with frank DeBoer mm -hmm. and two years ago it would have changed frank DeBoer's whole career career <laughs> okay so he brings off a player in the 66th 66th minute he goes to four in the back we get a penalty kick what's your next move mikey dobbs uh well, I'm going to say fortify a bit. <laughs> That's exactly what he did. He went back, right back to five in the back. Uh, it lasted all of like 10 minutes. Yeah. 
it worked, I guess. Yeah. Because we scored during that time period, but what, what, what do you think is the what would you have done in that case though? You you get the winning goal, step on the gas, step on their step throat, on the kill them. I mean, this I can't believe you said that you would do that because no Mikey Dobbs coach team would ever do that. You would have just put on another attacker and said, uh, "Let's go kill." Him. <laughs> I agree, but in that game, we just didn't have a whole lot going on. Yeah, but you know, like you got the momentum. You get the penalty kick. That, that wasn't the energy, and you took Moreno or uh, Moreno off too at that point. So he was already off. He yeah, was already half-time. off. So mm-hmm. I would, if, if you had Moreno on, I would say step on it. But Moreno was off the field, so that's why I was like, "All right, you got to fortify." Mm-hmm. So that to me was was why I think it was the right decision to fortify, park the bus. I'm, I'm shocked. I mean, that's not the Mikey Dobbs I well, know. It's, it's not. If, <laughs> uh, but I also don't think you should have taken Moreno off. Well, but if he didn't take Moreno off, then we'd still be Sosa on the island. We would have lost probably 3 0. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We got a lucky penalty kick. Come on. Who knows? Yeah, the penalty kick was not um, robust, <laughs> it was not at all. But it was Joseph's. 100th yeah, goal. Yeah, so that's what you got to say. We were there. The fans were going. I mean, it felt mm-hmm. good. It felt good in the Mercedes-Benz to celebrate good. All right. the fastest player ever in the MLS to 100 goals. Now, I don't know if you saw a couple days later, they, and this is, I think, you got to give credit to Pineda or the front office, whoever put the video together. Right. Uh, it was like a seven-minute video that was on YouTube. I didn't cry, Dave. You cried. I didn't cry. <laughs> But you cried your eyes out when you saw that. Like, I mean, talk I about talk about the influence that Joseph Martinez has had on this town and watching his family, and you can kind of see where he's coming from. Well, the number of people in that I'm video getting, who I'm are getting, wishing him good, you know, fortune. Oh, oh, my goodness. Yeah, from, you know, players in Europe to... Mm-hmm, players back from when he was playing in Torino. Uh, uh, Lewandowski to, you know... Yeah. It, it was cool to see. Yeah. It's cool to see. Yeah. Um, check it out, dear podcast listeners. That's it's um, LA United at its finest. It is, and um, maybe hashtag build the statue. Yeah, I think well, that's going to happen. Come on, <laughs> that's going to be a later episode topic. But now we're on to the fifth game, which was ugly, my friend, against Montreal. We go across the border into enemy territory. Those Canadians. <laughs> Oh, the Canadians. The only thing they do good is bacon, Dave. And yeah. uh, So there was no Araujo. No Araujo, but we lose one to two. So mm-hmm. no goals, I believe, until the second half starts off fiery within the first 10 to 15 minutes. It's one to one. Yep. And then later on, we concede and lose two to we one. We score first. We scored first. Mal Rainey. Mulraney. Jake great Mulraney. ball. It's a, it a great goal, right? I can, remind me of that one. Was it Araujo or or somebody who played him in? Um, it was a beautiful run by Mulraney. And, you know, he's not taking on players, but he's still running. So mm-hmm. good for him. Um, he made a, <laughs> made a great run using his size and speed and ran through in a terrific finish. Um, yeah. It was basically a ball against the grain. He was running sort of diagonal through the middle from left to right. Uh, great goal. And this was an important game because it was a, it would have been a six-point swing in the table. You got to figure, you know, we're up, um, 
you know, one goal in the 48th minute, we're looking pretty good, but we concede in the 49th minute and then in the 55th minute. And where are we in the table right now, Dave? Bring that up. We are outside the playoff line. Outside. We don't like to. Game. We don't like to admit that, Mikey Dobbs. Um. So. But oh, you need me to say more than that? No, but do, do you have anything more to say about the Montreal game? Well, um, you know, I think we'll 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 circle back to it when we talk about uh, Pineda. But um, so there was a moment early in the game where um, the goalkeeper, with great pressure, Sosa's pressuring up the field. The goalkeeper plays it right to Joseph Martinez inside the penalty area. And it looked to me like uh, it was a guy who coming off ACL surgery. If he looked like he was back in the previous games, he looked like he was slow there because he reacted slow. And then the guy actually sort of ran him over. Might have, Did you think that was a penalty? Uh, I'm trying to recall. The goalkeeper literally passed him the ball inside the box. And then he had it and the guy was coming from behind and just ran him right over. Uh, I'm going to say that's a penalty kick then, if mm-hmm. that's your recollection. I do recall that now. Yeah, that was a penalty you kick. You could argue that he didn't actually hit him that hard, and Martinez went over a little bit. But it was just bumbled over. And he right. just bumbled over him. I, to me, it's a penalty. Yeah, I do remember that. That's a penalty. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Um, but there was an but, example in that game in the 23rd minute that I think says it all. Um we have six defenders back against five um, on the cross. Um, and yet, because we're playing with three in the back, there's no responsibility. It's 3v1 on the back post. And when the ball is served, the three center backs all drop to the same player. And that uh, and the midfielders who are in the box don't track at all. And this leaves Bello marking three players. We were super lucky not to concede. Yeah, I remember, um, yeah. And... I think that says it all, well, you know, about the confusion with the three in the back. You know, yes, you got players back, and yes, if somebody, you know, falters, you have a guy behind them. But on the other hand, it causes problems where you have guys back and you still give up goals because nobody knows who's responsible. So in the last year or two, it'd be interesting to look up what is the most predominant formation in top leagues. Mm. As far as this, it's a little tricky because people call things all kinds of different things, right? I mean, I think to be honest, the most people are playing some version of, um, but I would either a four five one or a four three three, yeah. But I mean, whether it's three in the back or five in the back, like to me, that's the more logical way to call it, yeah. I mean, there's some debate about this, but there are very few teams truly playing five in the back. I mean, it's it's not a lot. There's a couple of people calling themselves innovators, but um, and there there are different ways to play it. There's some people are playing five in the back. It's truly five in the back, or you have it playing like Atlanta United, which is just three in the back, right. and the two guys are way up the field right. and occasionally getting back to defend. Yeah, and again, you're okay with that if they're attacking players in a part of the offense. But Bello sometimes, Lennon not so often. Maybe. I mean, we've just talked about, what, five Atlanta United games, yeah. right? And how many times did we talk about um, Bello or Lennon creating? Now, we did talk about Great. Bello getting in, you know, on the back post. And, and I think 
two or three times he got there off of somebody else's action and was there in the box and could have scored, which is great. Um, But we're not really talking about him creating things. Look, George Bellow can create and beat people, Mm -hmm. especially getting getting around people to cross the ball. Mm -hmm. But in terms of beating people and going to goal and scoring, not doing it. Not at the MLS level. He requires someone like Moreno to do that to kick it off his shin at the last second. Like, honestly, like, and I'm not hating on Bello. I think he's going to be a great player, could be. But I'm very disappointed this season, particularly with his ability to, I don't know, cut inside and just find a way to find the back of the net. Like, you got to do that. Well, the truth is that, so the reason why Bello is not doing it is because he's not needed right so it's not like when barco or moreno or araujo is running they're like mm, i really really need to play you know bellow in overlapping they don't need it they don't need it they're beating their guy every time right they don't need it no but i i'm saying this also in terms of i've seen barco m- multiple times slot uh uh, George Bello in where he should have scored. I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm talking about oh, yeah. finishing. Oh, his finishing. I'm talking about finishing. Uh, I'm, I agree that those other guys are going to take more opportunities away from Bello because of the way that we've got the Fab Four in the front that it doesn't afford him. But when he does have his chances, you got to find the back of the net, my friend. Yeah. No, it was it. Um... Um, the Montreal game, I think, one where he's just running in by himself. It's just him and the goalkeeper, and you know the goalkeeper makes a decent save, but he put it, you know, waist chest high, you know, where his hand to it was not good. I mean, again, you know, his finishing is so predictable. If you watch Joseph Martinez when he gets in, you have no idea where yeah. he's going. His hips are always, you know, you know the Shakira song, Hips Don't Lie. Yeah, they don't. But but the hips but no, in Martinez's right. like, cases, they like, do, right? Because he's totally selling the guy. You have no yeah. idea. His hips are one way and he's shooting yeah. the other way. Be- Bello squares up and rips it most yeah, of the time. that's exactly right. Um, all right. I got nothing else on, on Montreal. We are an hour and 10 minutes in. Okay. I, I would like to talk about the final six games three of which are at home. Can before we do that, can we can we I'd like to wrap up by talking about what's your take so far on Pineda. So, let's go there first. Yeah. But leading into that, Pineda has 6 games to get this right. Okay. Right? And by getting it right, I want to see a team that not only makes the playoffs, that I want to see in the last six games be like, holy bleep, Pineda has this team cooking. Right. And what I'm worried about is, I, I don't know, I almost feel like yeah, it would be super disappointed if we don't make the playoffs because we certainly have the talent, even if we're not, if the talent's not even put in the right position to make the playoffs, I think we'll make the playoffs. But I will know by the end of the six games, whether we're an MLS cup contender, which I still have as a hope in my gut, Dave. And we've got to first in the chain here, beat Toronto tomorrow. I guess the team is up there right now, right? Yep. Uh, 
against a terrible Toronto team, which is at the bottom of the table, <laughs> the bottom of the MLS. Go get that away win critical. Then we're at home on a three-game stretch. I think we at least got to win two out of three. I, I will be doing jumping jacks if we win all three. But if we win two out of three, I still think we could be a playoff game. So with that, how do you argue that we shouldn't win all three, right? So it's New York City oh. FC, Miami, and Toronto. So Miami and Toronto are completely shambolic teams. So you got to figure if and, we can't beat them at home, forget and, it. NYFC is the only team that I would like. Yeah, Miami and Toronto, terrible. Should beat them, right? But four games is four games. If we win three out of four, I'm still feeling pretty good about things. Is all I'm saying in in that first four. You're okay with us losing to New York City FC no, at home as I, one of the other teams right at the playoff line? Like a tie might be okay. acceptable. Right. It'd be not good. I'd be pissed off. Of course I'd be pissed off. My point is, is if we go Toronto win on the road, tie NYFC, beat Miami, beat Toronto, like that's like minimum bar, right? That's all I'm saying. If it's anything less than that out of those four games, Dave, I have already like thrown in the hat. So that's what I'm saying. So I, I guess I'm agreeing with you that if it's anything less than what I just said, we are not winning the MLS Cup. Before- Toronto and Cincinnati have conceded 54 goals apiece. That's yeah. um, two goals a game. I guess I'm just trying to be realistic is what I'm saying is you're right, Dave. We should absolutely win the next four games, hands down. Terrible Toronto game. Need to win it on the road because we didn't show up for Montreal. Toronto has conceded 20 more goals than we have. Well, I don't even know who Atlanta United was <laughs> at the beginning of the season, so we'll say that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we got healthy with all the sure. all the de- designated But even players. with all that, they've yeah. still conceded yeah. 20 goals. Now, New York Red Bulls is always going to be a tough game, which is the fifth in that series. Mm-hmm. And then we should hammer Cincinnati, who we know is a terrible game. We beat them 4 nothing. Again, those are two away games, particularly the Red Bulls game. Away is going to be the toughest of the last six. So, yes, Dave, we have to win the next four. New York Red Bulls, I'd be okay if we tied and then beat Cincinnati. So that means five wins and one tie. I'm good with it. But you ignored the question, Mikey Dobbs. It was very evasive. The question was, so Pineda's got to make us get there, right? So, yeah, but what's your, what's your take? Do you think yes or no? Is he, is he coaching us well enough? Is he going to get there? What do you expect? I wish at this point. See, we're holding his feet to the fire. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I'm not confident now. So, I have butterflies that that's going to be the case because the last four games did not give me confidence going up to Philadelphia and losing the way we did. I mean, Philadelphia is not a bad team, but losing the way we did when I just see that there was no energy, there was no creativity, no, no tactics from Pineda to change things the right way. Concerned Montreal, same thing. So yeah, we looked, We've played two good teams on the road and a couple of crap teams at home. We've looked good against the crap teams at home and absolutely atrocious against the good teams on the road. Yeah. Philadelphia, we got un- dominated, and Montreal 
we got sort of dominated. Yeah. Um, and even you could throw in there the only other good team that we played, DC United. Yeah, we won. Um, and I think we were better, but it was super wide open. Um, I am not convinced, Mikey Dobbs. I mean, this idea that you come in and, oh, the five is working in the back, and so we don't want to change things, you know. Basically, he's saying, Rob Valentino, you're the in, you were the interim coach. I'm keeping you on, and you just keep coaching the team. I don't have an opinion. I don't think that, you know, we want to change anything. Because he hasn't said that he 100% agrees and that's the formation he wants to play with this team. He doesn't say that. And that really worries me because what he has said is he doesn't want to change things. And what kind of coach doesn't want to change things for the sake of not wanting to change things? It's your team. It's not Rob Valentino's team anymore. It's your team, right? So you either say, I agree with Rob Valentino and that's what he made the best system and we're sticking with it. Or you say, I don't agree with him. That's not my system. And this is what I'm going to play with. But I don't buy this whole rigmarole about, well, we're just going to keep doing it and it's working, especially because it hasn't really worked, right? We've gone on the road twice and gotten beat soundly. Well, also, like with Tata Martino, like there's injuries. There's circumstances where you don't have the right players to play the, the three in the back. And we haven't, we haven't seen Pineda change it as a starting lineup. We've seen him change it mid-game. Right. But not, not out of the gates, which... Delivers your point exactly, which is not being strong. If you're doing it halfway or at halftime, it's uh, it's it, to me that's a show of weakness right now, and I agree. Uh, so, I mean, if you go back to the U.S., what we were talking about earlier, coming full circle in the conversation, right? We have all this young talent, the Polisics, the Gio Reynas, etc., um, who look, you know, like phenomenal, right? You know, and for once. We have um, a midfield that can keep that balance. We have Tyler Adams sitting at home who can absolutely just break up things unbelievably. And we have a guy in Weston McKinney who does the perfect balance between he's really dynamic going forward and then when he needs to be, he's helping out Tyler Adams. Okay? If you take Atlanta United for MLS, we have a Tyler Adams. We have a Sosa. He's absolutely terrific. He breaks up plays like you wouldn't believe. We have an awesome Fab Four up front, the BAM, right? So you don't need that much. You just let him go, aggressive, you know, whatever. And all you need is to make sure you have a Weston McKinney role. You need another guy beside him. You can't do it on an island, right? You have to have that balance. And we have in the back... Right in Franco, um, Robinson, and I think um, Campbell, but maybe you say walks, but there's four of them, all of who are capable defenders. Right, we have decent outside backs. Right, going forward, they're terrific. Bello and Lennon defending, they're decent. Maybe you'd say Hernandez is better or whatever, but um, there is no reason why four of those guys can't can't defend. You know. All of that, very true. I think one of the keys is going to be, 
healthiness of the players in the next couple weeks. Sure, everybody's healthy except you and well, I I don't know for sure since we never really know here in Atlanta United. <laughs> yeah. But right. uh, we we know you know back to Joseph's knee in the in the previous game. It sounds like he actually and maybe because of the knee injury strained a hamstring. I don't know if it's on the same leg of his knee or the the opposite, which often happens when your body is compensating for an injury. You put more tension on another part of the body. So that's I don't know. There's my medical. Um, I sit at Holiday Inn last night, and maybe that's why he's got a strained <laughs> ha- hammy. Sounds like it's not horrific, right? The the, the hamstring, as far yeah. as like the six weeker or the two monther that Joseph has, sounds like maybe he's even going to play this game tomorrow, a little at least some minutes. Which- I kind of expecting him to play some minutes. I don't know whether it'll be in the starting lineup, but I think he's even contention to start. I think they just kept him out of the international. You know, basically to get him some rest, and they yeah. just couldn't push it. But they said it was a hamstring, which is never good. Which is, you know, always a little, a little bit nerve wracking when you watch a player who was, you know, coming up with a hammy. Yeah, but there's a torn or pulled hamstring, and there's a ever so slightly strained yeah. hamstring. Um, and I think, you know, for example, Weston McKinney apparently did slightly strained his hamstring in the right. first game and they stayed out you know he looked absolutely fine in the third game i slightly strain my hamstring every morning <laughs> getting out of bed, out of bed. <laughs> so i yeah i feel i feel for them um i'm concerned about Pineda. all right well let's um, let's it, give it, you the last couple minutes here to go into Pineda. then this is you well you know i mean um it seems like this team picks itself, right? I mean, how can you possibly leave off um, any of uh, Martinez, Arujo, uh, Moreno, and Barco? And those four, in and of themselves, given a free license and put in a somewhat spaced situation are enough to break down any team in MLS. They've shown it time and time again. Barco's been terrific. Moreno's been terrific. Araujo's been terrific. And on top of it, all those guys can create. And now, you know, when Martinez is finally back, he can finish. So um, you don't need that much. You need an occasional player out of the back, outside, overlapping, joining the attack, you know, as a free guy to hit a beautiful cross. Um, maybe an occasional run out of one of the attacking midfielders, you know, um, you know, behind that. But basically you need behind that, you have six guys and their job is to basically keep it where it's not easy to score against. And you figure if you keep it honest and you're winning most of the balls somewhere in the middle of the field and not getting all the way back to your own goal, those four guys are going to score, right? You just give them the time. That's all they need is time, right? And so why can't you figure out with those six players, you know, um, a way to defend? And, um, so, you know. So, Dave, it's you're in Toronto tomorrow morning. Yeah. You're in the huddle. Yeah. You got... 60 seconds to give directives to your 11 players. Yeah. Go. Um, back four, play straight up. You know, we got four across the back in a standard play. The outside box can get forward, you know, to support when they get. Um, you have Sosa. Your job is to sit and win the ball like you know how to do. 
Um, I'm not Who's in front. Josetu in front of him could be Josetu. I don't think you need that much. Josetu's been fine. There's other players who could play it. If you want to play on the road, you might say you play another defensive player like Mo Adams or something, but maybe Josetu at home when you're on the front foot more. But it doesn't really, really matter. You just need a second guy who's a midfielder. All right, sorry, you're still coaching up the team. Go. <laughs> and then, honestly, up front, right, you say, um, in, in my opinion, I would say I would put Araujo out on the left to really open it up. I would put Moreno out um, a bit you know, shading to the right, um, but, you know, with a free license to roam in with Barco, right? And Martinez up top and say, go. I like it. <laughs> so we still have, and now you mentioned that we still have not seen Araujo put on that left side to stretch it out wide on the sidelines yet this entire time. Yeah, he plays inverted all the time. You know, we talked about originally and, my worry is that when he plays inverted, as good as he's been, um, and you've noticed this, he, they've been better when you haven't had the BAM altogether because when you have the BAM, they kind of get in each other's way. It's a little too narrow, right? Um, so I think that all four of them should be playing, but you need something to open it up. Yeah. In my opinion, if, if you're going to play Araujo inverted, you're going to play Barco inverted like he likes, fine. That, so then you just need Bello or Lennon overlapping as an outside back, and it opens it all up. And if you have Bello or Lennon overlapping on the 2v1, that's a whole different story, right? But right now, they have them running up the field early, right, with abandon. We don't have anybody to win the ball in the center midfield with Sosa because we have three in the back doing nothing, holding each other's hands, right? And so we don't have the – we're vulnerable on the outside in the back because those guys are flying up the field. They're not dynamic on the wing because they're up there too early and they're staying too far up. And we're getting killed in the center midfield because we only have one center midfielder. So give me a second center midfielder. Get those guys back so we're no longer dangerous, you know, playing in behind us in the corners. And then have them with a license to get forward occasionally to fill in that role. And now it becomes dynamic on the wing and you're fine. You don't need a lot to open it up for Moreno, Araujo, and Bella, and, uh, and Barco. Um and all you need to do is give Sosa a partner. Every time he's done that, it's worked brilliantly. All right, ATL and Fire listeners, Dave has gone on his Pineda rant. <laughs> he's gone on what changes need to happen. Leave comments on this episode. Give us some ratings on Apple, uh, Google Play, whatever you're listening to us on. Leave some nasty comments, but... Uh, Dave, before they do all that, is there anything else you want to talk about before we close this uh, podcast out? Eight games. We talked about it all in how many minutes? We are at like about an hour and 25 minutes. It's got to be a new record regardless of what it is. So yeah. uh, we talk about it all. Thank you, Mikey Dobbs. Thank you, Dave. And, and thank you, podcast listeners. No doubt. Sorry, we'll, we're going we're gonna to get back on our schedule. and uh, We've recalled Mikey Dobbs from the beach, so don't worry. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. See ya.